The geography of central Florida is mostly wetland. Orlando lies about 50 miles from the Atlantic to the east and 75 miles from the Gulf Coast to the west. The city is surrounded by swamps and some 1,200 lakes, each home to an abundance of wildlife. Armadillos, alligators, exotic birds of every color. On an overcast morning, I found myself standing at the shoreline of one of those lakes, surrounded by an overgrowth of brush and bramble so thick it was impossible to get too close to the water's edge. There to learn more about a new tip that had come in. Private investigator Mike Toretta drove producer Jureen Tanner and me to Lake Fisher in Orange County. In 2006, the same year Jennifer Kessie disappeared, a woman witnessed something suspicious at that lake, but she never told anyone. Last year, however, after watching a news report about Jennifer, she decided to come forward to investigators. She believes what she saw could be connected to Jennifer's case. Lake Fisher is roughly 12 miles from Jennifer Kessie's condo and one mile from where she worked at Central Florida Investments Timeshare Company. Today, it's an affluent neighborhood of large, expensive homes, each with perfectly manicured lawns and gardens that surround the lake. But back in 2006, there were only a couple of homes on the lake. The area was quiet and secluded, and just starting to be cleared for development. Authorities don't know what, if any, evidence might be in the lake. And what are the odds that it's connected to Jennifer's disappearance? Mike explains everything to us. So, Mike, we are at Lake Fisher. Yes. How big a lake is this? It's probably uh, two, I would say, 200 yards by 100 yards. Mm -hmm. It's not a large lake. Now, remember you said back in 2006 there were really no homes around this lake except for a couple? There was one or two homes on the opposite side of the lake, Mm -hmm. Uh, but this whole area that we're walking through now was not here. It was all uh, fields. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And what led you to this lake in the first place? I received a, a tip from an individual that they were staying here and observed a uh, truck, a pickup truck, coming through the field. Mm -hmm. And it seemed odd to this person. So they kept an eye on this vehicle and it proceeded to the lake and actually parked parallel. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, a, a gentleman exits the pickup truck and when he gets out he looks around but then he proceeds to the back of the pickup truck and he takes out a rug Mm -hmm. approximately six to eight feet long Mm -hmm. and he puts it over his shoulder he goes to the lake the edge yeah and he actually tosses the uh, rug into the uh, lake what kind of truck was it? It was like a pickup truck? It was a pickup truck, yeah, a dark uh, pickup truck. Is this the exact spot where the vehicle was? Yes. This is 14 years of growth that you're looking at mm-hmm. that did not exist when she saw it years ago. Mm-hmm. When you heard this as an investigator, what were your immediate thoughts? I initially interviewed her by phone, 
And then the next day, I went to her home, and I believed it 100%. I believed what she saw and what she was explaining. It was like yesterday to her. It's interesting, you know, you observe something and in the moment you might not think much of it and then time goes by and you're, you think, you know, you have time to reflect and sort of think, well, shoot, I should have. I believe that's how she's thinking. Uh -huh. She told me, you know, I lived with this for years and, you know, maybe I should have said something sooner. Uh -huh. So as you were saying before, these people live with what is observed and what was done. More of our story after this short break. It was a scandal that rocked Louisville, Kentucky. Several former veterans of the Louisville Metro Police Department sexually abused teens in a mentorship program and their perverse acts hidden for years. Binge listen to this first podcast from the Fox News Investigative Unit only on Apple Podcasts. The woman agreed to speak with us on condition of anonymity and asked that we distort her voice. We're choosing to call her Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm very well. Here is her story about what she saw at Lake Fisher on an early fall morning in 2006. Let's start at the very beginning. I believe it was in November. I was at my friend's house staying with her because her parents had gone away for the weekend for a wedding. And it was on a weekend and her back garden overlooks the lake. And on the other side of the lake, there was absolutely nothing but a field, uh, an incline like a hill that came down to the edge of the lake. What was the weather like that morning? It was beautiful, a very nice sunny day. I believe it was a Saturday morning, early. What time of morning? It was between, I would say between 8 and 10. And I was sitting by the pool looking out across the lake and I saw a truck, a dark coloured truck, come across the top of the hill, down the side of the ravine, to the edge of the water. It reversed, went backwards and stopped. A gentleman got out of the van, out of the truck, looked around very cautiously and I thought, this is odd. He went to the back of the truck and again, looked all over the place and took from the back of the truck a big carpet. I thought at the time, I thought, well, that's strange. Why would you want to dump a carpet in the lake here? Mm -hmm. So I just kept looking and he picked the carpet up and threw it over you know, his arms and took it to the side of the lake and threw it in. When he took the carpet out, and dumped it in the lake. He was looking, still looking around, and when he threw it in the lake, he just stood there, like as if to make sure that it was going down into the water, and he was still looking around. And that was when he looked across the lake, and I thought, oh, my God, he can see me, and I died behind the plant. And uh, he was still looking around, and then he just turned and got in the truck and then drove off. I got a little scared, actually, because I thought, oh, my God, what if he saw me? Right. We were at that exact spot. Mike took us there. So we are familiar exactly with the location you're talking about. 
Were you able to see, I mean, I know it's a distance, but were you able to see what color his hair was, maybe his height, get a sense for that, his build? At the time, I mean, the lake wasn't as big as what it is now. The table of the lake had risen quite a bit, so it was a lot bigger. So he was a lot closer than what it is like now. And I remember him, he was uh, white. He, he was tallish, I would say about 5'10", maybe, blondish brown colour hair. Um, he had a shorts on or, you know, like khakis, a T-shirt. He looked a little bit like a construction worker, I suppose. And, and even with the truck, because the truck was very big, it was either either a blue or a black colour. It was a dark colour truck. And you're certain that it was a carpet? Yes. Oh, yes. It was a carpet. And it was quite big. So I thought, well, this carpet must have been quite long because it was... It was big. It looked like there was something in it. At what point did you decide to report this? And what made you think of the Jennifer Kessie case? How did that all come about? Well, it was funny because I led a very exciting life, I suppose. I always popped back and forth to Britain. And I moved away for a while to help a friend start a business in Fort Myers. Then a couple of years ago, I heard that Jennifer Cassie's parents were taking over the case. And I thought, I went, you know, when did this happen? Was it when I saw what I saw? So I asked my friend who at the time, they moved out of the house, but I asked her about it. I said, do you know what year that was? And she said, well, mum and dad went to a wedding up in Philadelphia. And that was in November of the same year. So I said, I got a horrible feeling. I should probably have said something years ago, but, you know, things happen, you forget. I do regret it very much not coming forward and saying something earlier. And her boyfriend actually is a police officer with the Florida Troopers. So I spoke to him about it and he said, uh, I think we might have something here. I'm going to get in touch with the police that was dealing with the case. And it just went from there. They got in touch with me. Also then um, Michael, the PI, he got in touch with me and it just went from there. I see. So people listening who, you know, don't have that visual because they've never been there, would you describe this to them as being a very isolated area? Oh, yes. Yeah, there was. there's nothing there. On the other side of the lake where the field was, If I'm looking at it from the house across the lake, to the right, there was a boys' camp, uh, which they use in the summer school. And are you able to talk at all about how that home at the time was really the only home on the lake? uh, Paul, who owned the house, he bought that land and was going to build like three houses on there. And, you know, million-dollar homes. I mean, you could see from across the lake, mm-hmm. the beautiful big houses. Yeah. And I believe there's like three or four there now. And his was the first one built. And next to it, if you were looking from the other side of the lake to your left, they were building another house. So there was only really one house there and one being built. In November 2019, acting on Elizabeth's tip, the Orange County Sheriff's Department deployed dive teams and cadaver dogs to search the lake and area. 
Jennifer Kessie was last seen back in 2006. Crews spending all day searching Fisher Lake. The new station's David Bowden is live for us tonight. David, did they find anything? Not yet, Charles. Investigators were in the lake behind these homes here in the Braemar subdivision earlier today, but unfortunately, their search ended in disappointment. But the Kessie family had a different outcome. They hired their own dog team to search the lake. Drew Kessie, Jennifer's father, told us about that search. When did you send dogs to Lake Fisher? Um, in November 2019, my investigative team has been working a lead that was called in to us. We acted to it and we qualified it, vetted it out over a very long period of time. And then we decided that it was necessary for us to bring in a dog team to search the lake to see if there's any DNA or at that point you're actually looking for dead people. So we brought in our own dog team and we did have a hit. We had two, actually we had two dogs hit. And at that point it became to us a crime scene that we had to hand over to law enforcement. The same day, we actually contacted police right there on the spot. They came, many agencies came. The search was actually filmed. They looked at the tape and said, okay, we're gonna bring our own dogs in. That's interesting. And they ran four dogs and none of their dogs hit. Orlando Police Department did bring the dive teams in, did a dive, partial day, very small portion of the lake, and said that they could not find what the tip had come in, and, you know, they, they, they tried. We thanked them and said, well, that was kind of a crappy search. You only did one little specific area. It was 13 years ago. It could move. <laughs> And we did, we had personally satellite imagery done, but we went in with two more dogs uh, that didn't hit. And then we went in the lake physically diving, probing, radar, anything we can do extra on it without actually draining the lake and didn't come up with anything. So, you know, Lake Fisher just has to sit there for right now. We did due diligence. Do I believe the two dogs they hit? From what I saw, yeah, I do believe the two dogs that hit. But, you know, we have to go with what was done afterwards and what we didn't find. And we didn't find anything of what we were looking for. I wanted to know how Elizabeth felt after the November 2019 search of the lake. So I spoke with her at her home. You know, it's interesting because, as you know, they did search the lake. They didn't find anything yet. And Mike said to us, he said, you know, this tip is so convincing. If it's not, you know, Jennifer's remains that are found, it must be somebody else. What has your gut to tell you? I feel, to be honest with you, I know there was something in that carpet. Thinking back on it, and I, I do have a good memory on things, especially visual, and I really believe that there was something in that carpet because it was too big just to be really like a rolled up carpet. You are convinced that there is a carpet in that lake. Oh yeah, without a doubt. No, I know what I saw. There definitely is a carpet there. To be honest with you, over the years I've thought about it and I, I, and it's really been gnawing at my guts because I know there was something in that carpet. 
and I just wish they could find it. I just hope that this can be taken seriously and that somebody will go back to that lake and will do a good job in finding that carpet just to put the family at peace to know that, okay, it's not her. If they find the carpet, it could be somebody else, you know. Mm -hmm. We just don't know. But at least the family would be more at rest and can eliminate the possibility of it being her in that carpet. Sure. And there were other missing women at that time in Orlando. Yes, there were. Yeah. Thank you so much. In the next episode of House of Broken Dreams, you'll meet one of Jennifer Kessie's best friends who takes us back to the day Jennifer disappeared. We all knew something was very wrong. This wasn't anyone that would ever just just leave or not contact. There's no way. And obviously it was for the reason it is still today that someone abducted her or something happened to her. Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.